This is Pet Life Radio. Let's talk pets. And welcome, welcome. You're here live with Dr. Jeff Werber on this lovely Sunday morning, at least lovely here in L.A. And uh, we're here for you. We're here for your pets. So um, you know, if you want to get a hold of me, ask me questions. This both goes for my Instagram live audience as well as Pet Life Radio. You can easily get me by dialing toll-free 877-385-8882. Once again, 877-385-8882. Better yet, you can join me here live. Two options. You can join me here live on my Instagram live or... Here on Pet Life Radio, the best way to get me, uh, you just go on to PetLifeRadio.com, scroll on to Shows, click down to Ask the Vet with Dr. Jeff, click on me, and then there'll be a Zoom link left for you there. So you can join me live right here on Zoom. Have your pets with you. Uh, it's the best. It's kind of like telemedicine right here, right on the computer. I had this morning, had a couple of air vet calls and uh, it works great. Some One of the women I spoke to says, oh my God, I love this app. I mean, she, she has access 24 seven to a veterinarian. What could be so bad? And um, especially, especially when your vet's closed and you have a question, it's not a 911 kind of emergency, but it, it's, a, it's a concern and you want an answer, but when your vet's closed and you want to get an answer, you don't want to wait till tomorrow or whatever, you're going to get in the car and you're going to go to the emergency facility that they sent you to. You're going to wait six or eight hours. You're going to pay hundreds of dollars to get your question answered. And instead, you can go on to AirVet and uh, get your question answered right away at uh, 30 bucks. And if, you're, if you do the subscription, it's $19.99 a month, unlimited calls. I mean, you can't beat that. So I know it's pretty cool. Anyway, so there was a question about dementia, and the trazodone is a different. Trazodone is more of a downer. It's not going to really help the dementia. The medication that we use a lot is called selegiline, which is, is uh, very effective. So that's something that you should try to do. The medication, trazodone is more of a, of a downer. Uh, it's a sedative, and um, it, it's not as uh, effective. So as far as for the actual treating the dementia, you want to use antioxidants. You want anything, brain food. Brain food is antioxidants typically. So you want to do that. And then also a medicine that they use in people is called selegiline and or under the term L-deprinil. So I would recommend that as well. I am personally not familiar with the ropisalazine, but it sounds more just by, it sounds like it's more of a downer, like all the Z-I-N-E's are at the end are using that same class. So I can look up on that when we can get back to you. This is Christina. I will follow up with you. And once I find out a little bit more about this medication, but yeah, now, as far as the dementia, as I said, you want to use brain food. You want to use stimulation. It's very important. And, and as is, as I said, antioxidants seem to help very well. I take antioxidants. I have no idea. I still forget everything, but I think, I think I'm still with it. So um, I think antioxidants are good. In fact, one of the big food companies put out BD Brain Diet, and what makes it unique are the antioxidants. So I think that's important. So uh, as you know, I like to prove the news at the, it's called the AHA American Animal Hospital Association's Newstat or the American Vet Med Association Smart Brief. I thought this was good. That dogs probably experience humor. So it says they are attuned to our smiling, to our laughter, and they may do both as well. They may be different ways that we don't understand. Certainly, you know, you could tell a wag for Taylor, they're happy. 
I imagine if they're happy, they're probably smiling as we are, but there, there are cues. It wouldn't surprise me if there's some pheromone that a dog puts out when they are in that state of enjoyment of, of happiness. But the key of the study was that some people think, oh, dogs just do for us not to make us happy. It's because they, they're doing it for their own survival. For example, the classic story of the dog who wakes you up when the house is on fire, okay? Is he waking you up to save you? Or does he know you're the only access to that opening that door or window to get outside? So he's saying, you can go to sleep after you let me out. That's okay. But you got to get me out of here. So is that what's going on? Or is he actually waking you because he's trying to save you? So anyway, it is believed that we are more than just food dispensers for them, just a vehicle for them to take a walk outside and do their thing. Anyway, also interesting as we know, dogs can actually remember and feel fear. And also they have an ability to remember traumatic events. So that's why when your dog starts to not want to do something, it's probably because he or she had some bad thing happen and they are remembering that event and associating that event with something that's happening right now. So oftentimes the classic example for that, one of many, and it's happening now, I've already gotten some calls because of weather is when dogs start acting really weird and anxious. And you know the dog has had bad experiences before with thunder and lightning. Well, what happens is when a storm is coming, our barometric pressure changes, it drops. We don't feel it, that's called low pressure. We don't feel it, but they sense it. They're, that's one of their many senses to be able to do. So what happens is, is that when that if two or three days before a rainstorm, you're going to notice sometimes I get calls. Oh my God, something's wrong. My dog is, she's hiding. She's panting. She's anxious. And I'm saying, and I, I've already heard the news report, the weather report that says, yeah, we're having a big storm coming up in a few days. They sense it. And now that association is that feeling that happened to them before that very first thunderstorm. It is followed by the, the loud noises and the thunder. And that is fearful to many dogs. So now every time that barometric pressure starts to drop, what's the association? They remember that bad experience they had. And that's why they start panicking. They start acting weird. They start feeling frightened. So those are the, some of the things they remember. This is a sad story. You know, I, again, I, I always feel obligated to share the good and the bad. And so this is something that you should just know. An entire pack of wolves, along with a magpie, found dead in February in Union County, Oregon. I mean, that's bad in itself. But then another wolf and skunk and a magpie were found in the same place a month later and two more in subsequent months. And they now they tested the wolves and the, the dead animals and they were poisoned. Someone is out there poisoning these animals. These advocacy groups and these conservative conservation groups in Oregon, and you know, there are many in Oregon, they've raised already $43,000 leading to the identification and, and arrest of this person. They want to convict whoever it is that is poisoning these animals, an entire pack of wolves. I mean, can you imagine? That is horrendous. So anyway, this stuff happens. It's sad that it happens. It's sad that there are people out there that are harming animals. It's reality. It's a terrible thing. Okay, this... We just talked about dogs and their right, their abilities, and and they experience our humor, et cetera, et cetera. What about cats? What about cats? So here, this was also good. Not surprising to me. I have five, but cats may like people, but they don't need them. And how funny is that? So a big question about who, you know the survival. Who's smarter, cats or dogs? And you know you have to define. What do you mean by smart? Is if survival 
is smart, you leave them alone outside by themselves for whatever, then I think cats are smarter because they seem to thrive just well. Where dogs, on the other hand, they rely a little bit more on us, like we talked about. They would not just to rely on us for food, but as far as teaching tricks, yeah. If you're smart, is, and we have another story coming up, but if, if smart is training dogs to do things, then yeah, I guess you could say maybe they're a little smarter. But I, you know, you have to just really define when when you say smart, what do you mean by it? But so um, first of all, cats, because of their nature and how they are and how much more independent they are, they are tougher to study because you can't necessarily get them to do what you want them to do because they don't care. Leave me alone. I'm I'm a cat. I don't know how to listen to you. I'm I'm doing my own thing. So they are more difficult to study, but they can and do. And I know this for a fact, four of my five cats are very emotionally attached uh, to people and other animals, but they're not especially as social as dogs. Now, I joke that my, the four, I have five, and the four that are very social accidentally read the dog book by mistake. I don't want to let them in on the fact that they're not dogs. I'm not telling them, but they are cats. They greet you. They want to cuddle. They, they chase. It's hysterical. I can't walk into a room with the cats there and not want them. I mean, the reason I have a door closed here is because if I had one of my cats, especially Ninja, black, the big black cat, he would be here not only, not only on my lap. He'd be on, calling over the microphone. He'd be sitting on the keyboard. He'd be nuzzling up against the phone here. I mean, he is so social. And this is the key, which is why they, they would do better survival-wise, is that their main thoughts, really, they center on staying safe. So when cats fear that they're being put into an unsafe situation. That's what they really work on. Their, their goal is to stay safe, which is why when they're out in the wild, they do much better than dogs. Again, it's one of those things where the big difference between cats and dogs. Anyway, when we come back, I want to talk some more about some more amazing things dogs can do and also opening up to some questions. So on our break, why don't you at, on our Instagram live audience come up? I'm going to try to get the screen going again so we can do recording this. But in the meantime, don't go away. We'll be right back after these short messages right here on Pet Life Radio's Ask the Vets with Dr. Jeff. We'll see you back in about two minutes. So I just want to tell you about a company that I came across, and I really think what they do is great. Carlson Pet Products. Very, very affordable. The company specializes in creating pet safety products to keep your pet happily protected from the puppy stage through their senior years. They have a variety of products. They have pet pens, they have foldable elevated beds, crates, pet gates. I mean, all phenomenal stuff. Their pet gates I love because basically they fit any size opening in your home. And most of the gates also have like a walkthrough door. It's a small door for your pet to pass through without having to remove the whole gate. So it's really, really cool. Look them up, carlsonpetproducts.com. Get a 25% discount and free shipping if you use the promo code PETLIFE, P-E-T-L-I-F-E. Check them out. You're going to love them. Let's talk pets. Let's talk pets. On Pet Life Radio. PetLifeRadio.com. Pet and we're back here live. You're with live with Dr. Jeff Ferber here on Pet Life Radio's Ask the Vets with Dr. Jeff and Instagram Live. And I, I missed a question earlier. Was given a pen, a clonopen to help my pug with anxiety, but also was given gabapentin. What does gabapentin do? So, gabapentin actually does a lot of things. It's a really good pain medication. So, we use it often for any kind of post surgical pain, things like tramadol, gabapentin. Remember, the non steroidal anti inflammatories that we often send home are just that there's anti inflammatories. The way they have analgesia, like for example, we talk about aspirin being analgesia, right? Or uh, acetaminophen, Tylenol being an analgesic. 
They're really not. They are anti-inflammatories. So by reducing inflammation, it also seems to reduce the pain. They're not specific analgesics. Now, analgesics are things like gabapentin, your opioids, your morphines. Those reduce pain. Tramadol. So usually if they're controlled substances for pain, that's more likely for strict for pain. You get those given IV or injectable, sometimes oral, post-surgery. That is going to control the pain. Gabapentin does help actually control pain, but also it has a good effect on seizures. So a lot of times animals that are being on seizure meds, they will use a gabapentin. They use gabapentin a lot for cancer patients to help control some of the pain associated with the cancer itself or chemotherapy. Um, so gabapentin has a lot of uses. So I would imagine for anxiety, it is also using more of the calming effect of it. And it's, so it's helping that as well. It's not one of my first choices for anxiety. I can see why it would be used unless, unless there, there was some thought that part of the problem with the anxiety was pain related. So in that case, the gabapentin would help. So anyway, that's my thought. If I can have more about the case, then maybe I can help you out there. But we use gabapentin a lot. Post-surgically, I, I use it a lot. It seems to be very, very, very helpful for especially those surgeries like orthopedic procedures that are notoriously painful after surgery. Then I like uh, I like using it. In fact, I personally like gabapentin better than tramadol. And I, again, it's not really what I like. It's what seems to work on the on the pet. So my first go-to would be gabapentin. And then what I would do is, if necessary, I would add in tramadol and maybe reduce the gabapentin if I needed to. So. Earlier, we had talked about the, the dogs and their, you know, their ability to experience our humor, how much more social they are, the cats, how less social they are, et cetera. So this was great. These are some of the amazing things that dogs can be trained to do. I don't think we're going to be able to train our cats to do these things, but it's remarkable. So detect a blood glucose drop before monitoring the apparatus technology does. So they can sense. So that's why people that are taking insulin and we're afraid of diabetic coma where their sugar drops too low, then this is a, it's amazing how animals, dogs can be trained to sense the glucose levels dropping in a person before their little uh, machines can pick it up. Amazing. They can alert an owner before an allergic reaction or a seizure. So again, dogs are being trained for those people with epilepsy or some other seizure disorder that they can train dogs to sense the, some chemical change that happens just prior to a seizure and can alert the owners or family about the, uh, the potential, the upcoming seizure. Of course, they can warn people uh, with impaired hearing if there's impending danger. They are trained to guide the vision impaired uh, seeing eye dogs, that's amazing. They can open doors. They can, they can, put, uh, they can put the laundry in, in the washing machine. They can turn on lights, turn off lights. I mean, these are all things that can help people that are confined to, to wheelchairs. They can actually pay a cashier money. I mean, it is amazing what these service dogs are trained to do. And trust me, and I take care of a, a number of service dogs, either for guide dogs or uh, canine companion dogs from CCI, canine companions for independence. And one of my favorite, so I had a dog years ago, his name was Weaver, uh, Yellow Lab, belonged to my friend Tom. So Weaver, obviously Tom, everywhere he went, Weaver came with him. And uh, Weaver was getting old and he was like hitting 13. And so CCI had given Tom another dog to replace Weaver. And Weaver was going to just remain as a pet. It was a great idea for Tom. Wasn't such a good idea for Weaver. 
Weaver completely rejected this dog when he came in. And every time Tom would make a move, Weaver at his advanced age would run to the hook where his vest was, grab it and bring it to Tom to put his vest on. And he would not let the other dog, the newer, younger Labrador, do his work as it was trained to do because he was still Tom's service dog. And Tom had to give the other dog back and kept Weaver literally until I went over to the house when it was time to say goodbye. And uh, this dog was just remarkable. So anyway, these, uh, these dogs, what they're trained to do is just, it's amazing. This was also an interesting thing. And, you know, I know many of us, most of us, I do have uh, my dogs. I have uh, two pure breeds, both rehomed. My Frenchie Dwight, rehomed from a, a, well, a wonderful family, just a terrible resident dog who just was ready to kill this poor guy. Everybody wanted the dog except the, uh, the English Bulldog who was there first. So after a very narrow, severe injury, like taking out an eye, the Bulldog caught the Frenchie right at the corner, literally. So I had to sew him up and they said, Doc, we got to do something. We got to find a home because it's not going to work. I, the English is going to kill him. So we kept the dog here at our house for a few days. Of course, I've had Frenchies before and um, I had two. This is now my third. And even though we had four dogs already and he is number five, he is great and gets along so well with the other dogs. So it worked out really, really well. And our yellow lab, who's now soon turning 11, had, we've had since he's a puppy, he was brought here again, another inter-dog problem. It was a, a good friend's family dog, a new pup for their kids. And it worked great, except for the fact that their man-eating watchdog, trained killer watchdog Rambo, did not want this little dog, this little puppy. So they asked if we could take the puppy, kind of like a puppy raiser, you know, we just, just to start the basics, get him to the point where he's somewhat house-trained and, and he's, he grows a little big, he's a little bigger, maybe Rambo will tolerate him a little better then, and he'll be a playmate for Rambo. Well, as it turned out, that didn't work out. So we, yes, we raised him as a puppy and we trained him. And now he's 11, almost 11 years later, he's still here. But our other three dogs are mutts. One was rescued from China. So, but I found this story very interesting. And in inbreeding in dogs raises health concerns, a genetic analysis found, check this out, 216 out of 227 different dog breeds have levels of inbreeding well above that which would be considered safe for humans or wild animal populations. That is really, really bad. I mean, there's a lot of inbreeding going on. So you think, yes, you can have an uncle being bred with a niece. That's okay. But you don't want siblings breeding. You don't want a parent and, a, and, a, and an offspring breeding. And yet it's happening. It's terrible. So dogs of highly inbred breeds, okay, have, a, uh, listen to this, a higher incidence of complex diseases like cancer and autoimmune diseases, all right? And also have on average 24.4%, that's almost 25% more non-routine vet visits than mixed breed dogs. So maybe, just maybe, as you're thinking about that new dog, you might want to consider if your heart isn't set on a pure breed, but you just want a great family pet, would you contact, go to a shelter, contact the breed rescues in your neighborhood, your area, and you will find a phenomenal. My three little guys, all rescues, are just amazing. The one that I rescued from China, who was so frightened as a little puppy, she got away from the rescuer. There was a who rescues dogs right off the meat market. And the night they came in and she gave it to one of her fosters, she got loose. She was loose on the streets in Los Angeles for 29 days. Sightings caught her 
being chased by coyotes, almost hit on Sunset Boulevard, crossing Sunset, which is a very, very busy, busy, major thoroughfare. And finally, she ended up in a woman's backyard who happened to know us. And of course, me being the vet, she called. I couldn't give it near this dog. It took me 20 minutes, almost a half hour, just to be able to take something out of my hand where I could finally put a leash on her. Long story short, brought her home, petrified. She was ready to bite everybody. And um, now, if you saw her, and I'm not going to bring her on next show, she is the sweetest, most cuddliest thing. She gets along with the other dogs. She is just absolutely amazing. The bad news was that she would not go to the bathroom outside. She would only go on wee-wee pads. And the reason for that is that apparently in Yulin, you are fined or not fined. You have to pay a fee to have dogs. And how do they know when they see you with dogs outside? So this rescuer doing so many rescues and having so many dogs, she couldn't be outside with them. It would cost her a fortune. So she trained all of them to go on wee-wee pads. And this one was amazing on a wee-wee pad. But I, it, would, it took us a while to make that transition from the wee-wee pad to be able to feel safe, to be able to go outside and take care of her business outside, which of course now uh, she does and she does it beautifully. So think, rescue, adopt, don't shop. And if you, are, if you are going to get a pure breed dog, then do your homework, look at the papers and make sure that there's been no super, super close, you know, only one generation apart uh, breeding because that could come to bite you in the behind uh, later on, not necessarily the dog doing the biting, but the whole concept will that if you uh, aren't careful about what you are getting, what you are buying, then you know, forget the puppy scam thing. We talked about that last week. Now, believe me, the scams, yeah, you hear it now in the news, are not just you know, for puppies or for dogs or animals. They're for almost everything you want to buy online. So be really careful about that as well. So uh, anyway, I thought this study might open your eyes a little bit about the importance of possibly adopting. And by the way, there are some great dogs that are that are potentially pure breed. They look really great. You know, they can be 90% of something and 10% of something else, but it looks just like exactly like a your retriever or your shepherd or or whatever it is that you're looking for. So I thought that our little Chinese dog was Las Opso. It would make sense. And we have a good friend of mine lives in the neighborhood who has her sister. And they did the DNA test. No lops, no Las Opso at all. So uh, who knows? You know what? It doesn't make a difference. They're, they're great dogs. So, all right. Thanks for joining me here today on Pet Life Radio on Instagram Live. Sorry for the mishap in the early in the show where I got kicked off of my own Instagram. So uh, but anyway, we're back. Don't know if it's being taped, but I hope it is. And uh, other than that, if you have any questions, you can always get a hold of me either at uh, Dr. Jeff at PetLifeRadio.com, Jeff at AirVet.com, or right here on Instagram. You can do that as well. Now, please, if you have any questions, any of the audience on any matter retaining, relating to pets, please send them to me, send them to Mark, my producer over at Pet Life Radio, and uh, uh, he will forward them to me. Or if you do it to Dr. Jeff at Pet Life Radio, they'll come directly to me. And that way we have something to talk about. Again, if I can help you with your pets, that's kind of what I love doing. I do it every day and am thrilled to uh, go to work and do so. So any questions you have, send them my way. All right. Have a great week, everybody. I know here in LA, we're expecting a big storm. I'm hoping for a storm because here it is in December and there's very little snow in Colorado, very little snow in Utah. And I have trips to snowboard in both those places the next two months. So I hope we get some snow. So anyway, have a good week. We'll see you next week. Bye-bye. Let's Talk Pets every week on demand only on PetLifeRadio.com.